0: to be pretty successful and you're never going to 100% eliminate kind of fights between employees or resentments or frankly, just flat out competition between people. And in some ways, you probably want some competition amongst your team. So it's walking this fine line. Welcome to Unmiss, your go-to digital marketing hub. I'm Anatoly Ulatovsky here with expert tips and exclusive chats to boost your
1: online game. Let's get started. Hello good people, welcome to our show, hello bad people, welcome to our show, hello guys, welcome. Today we are going to discuss about trust, how you can deserve your trust, how you can build connections human connections in business, because I don't know, probably someone can build connections with AI. Not today, but in the future, we'll see. But today we are talking about human connections, how it can help to grow your business. I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Rob Greenlee, how are you?
0: I'm doing terrific. It's great to be here.
1: Yeah. A big pleasure, a big pleasure. I want to learn more. (laughs) about building connections. I spent so much time to build my connections to grow my audience. Uh, And I remember when I spent like uh, 12, six hours a day, a single day on LinkedIn, to build connections, to uh, engage with other content, to invite great speakers to my podcast when mm-hmm. nobody knew me. Today, I, I could grow my audience. Of course, uh, I want to uh, go ahead you know, to get more people. But I know only one way. When you share value, when you bring benefits, when you can give a solid reason to others to connect with you. Rob, before we start, just tell more about yourself, experience, background. and. Anything that can help our listeners to learn more about you?
0: Yeah, I think the simple thing to say about my my background is I've been um, I'm a marketing guy, I'm a business guy, I'm a I really really a professional partnerships person of sorts, and I've been working in the marketing field and the kind of partnership building areas of my career for many years. I used to own a restaurant. I used to um, work uh, in grocery store chains i used to do all sorts of different things so i've got myself into a lot of different situations and then i started on the radio back in 1999 and started doing a a radio show about the growth and development of technology and the internet back in about 1999 and then so i started taking that show out as a downloadable version of the radio show and making it available off my website back in about 2000 uh, or, or so and that's how I kind of started hitting down this path of getting involved in online media and creating media uh, as a kind of a content marketing strategy. Given my marketing background, I was really seeing what was happening with the internet and the web as really kind of a one-to-one kind of customer connection platform. And and really, if I think about the the path of my my career, has always been around building podcasters building podcasting platforms and this medium is very, and what we're seeing increasingly now with the live streaming and the the streaming, which was actually a part of podcasting back in the early days of the medium. And it's just now coming back, but it's always been fundamental to creating human connection, right? And it's one-to-one connection, not uh, connections in, in the past primarily that have been, that had like a middle person in in between. So people were businesses and brands and companies were making direct connections and and in order to really maintain direct solid, you know, connections with customers or just people in general is that trust is, is always kind of the glue there. Does that viewer, that listener trust you uh, when you're talking about things or when you're talking about your product or you're talking about your service? Or you're talking about kind of your life. Is it something, it's very human and it's a very human fundamental piece of, of business connection. And as I think about my background in partnerships, you can kind of see how that dovetailed, right? Is taking that online connection and then translating it into more one-on-one relationships um, offline as well. So, so that's kind of how I got into this, you know, I'm a, I got inducted into the podcast hall of fame back in 2017 you know for doing a lot of the content that, that, that i've done o- over the years and then also helping others too and that's a big component of of my background and i i'm currently working with streamyard and i'm i'm working with a couple of other companies as well in uh, in the kind of like the online media kind of creation sides of things and so that's kind of a nutshell of what my background is but i'm really just Kind of a marketing guy and a partnerships guy and i started a show called trust factor um that that i've done you know a dozen or so episodes about talking about the importance of trust and that's nice. i think that's where you got the idea for this probably
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah nice love it love it yeah i think trust is very important without trust customers don't buy without trust uh, you can't uh, create brand awareness, and we need to build a loyal audience to provoke yep. this trust feeling. Can you tell how to do it for new customers? Uh, for example, if some people know me, and by the way, in my agency, my company, I usually get most customers from other customers. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, like a personal referral, right, is a big yeah, part. Of
1: Word I of mouth of... is the biggest channel, you know. Uh, If you have high quality products. But what about new customers, if you need to provoke this trust feeling, what to do? Because you mentioned you help others. I think if you help, then you can create this trust feeling people uh, know that you can help them. So uh, tell more about, for new customers, how to do it.
0: Yeah, I think it gets back to the, the approach and it also gets back to listening to your customers and listening to the people that you want to work with right and identifying who who those people are as best as you can and then when you speak to them or speak to like on a podcast or on a on a on a stream like this talk to them like they're normal people and talk to them in a way that um is sympathetic to the challenges that people have in working with a platform like like what you have or what the type of service that that, that you have it's it's being available it's being um giving of information helpful information tips oftentimes i would say the biggest hurdle of getting people into a new company and working with a new company is kind of understanding at a fundamental level how it works and then also being able to have a feeling like you trust the people that are there and increasingly we're seeing that is is a very important component is that do do people like brands or do they like to work with people and i think people um can can more easily communicate trust to other humans than a brand can 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 really communicate trust to humans so i think it's very fundamental to to that. So I think we're going to see in this next year, we're, we're going to see a lot more company representatives getting out in the world and building those personal connections through online uh, media and in person increasingly. So staff is going to be available. It's going to be visualized. The CEOs of the company, which is something that has been growing for a long time, need to be visible to their, their customer base. Need to communicate to them on a regular basis, and that's where online media comes into play. Is, is, but it also gets back to skills too. That CEO needs to have communication skills, and understands what they're doing with this medium, so they don't make a mistake. So they don't take a position on something that um, totally offends somebody and breaks trust, or, or is a little bit too strong um, in their 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 particular opinions on things. Now, granted, there's lots of examples of that today of, yeah. of CEOs standing up and taking, taking a position on something. Now, there is a place for that, but it may be at a cost. And that, that is the choice that we all have to make. Do we want to think about everyone? Or And this is a challenging question. Can we speak to everyone in the same way? is the challenge and that's that i think increasingly is where the um, rubber hits the road when it comes to trust is is people see the world differently from different vantage points different perspectives different upbringings different backgrounds and it's hard for one person to be able to speak to everyone so oftentimes what you have to do is you have to do multiple you know um, shows or events or whatever and get yourself in front of people that can expose them to a, a a aspect that maybe you as an individual can't bring so that's where the conversations and the interviews come into play is to bring that other voice into the brand. Um, it could be another employee in the company, it could be um, just just you kind of getting educated about what's happening in the world and being able to speak to it. Yeah,
1: awesome. You mentioned about uh, breaking trust and uh, um, and you remind me Bill Gates (laughs) once he said that uh, the biggest asset of data uh, uh, is coming from uh, angry customers. Uh, And um, for example, when companies launch a new product, It's tough to get great product in the beginning. Uh, So you you need to launch to learn customer feedback and think how to develop, innovate, to provide a new version of products so we can break trust. Uh, It it happens. Companies can can do it accidentally. So I want to ask how to recover trust if (laughs) it happens.
0: (laughs) Well, you may not be able to 100% uh, recover once trust is broken, Mm -hmm. and that's... That's the that's the other challenge. And that's why it's so important to think about these things. Now, granted, like you said, when you're starting something new, things are going to be broken, and that's that's where transparency comes into play. That's where being honest with your customers and telling them this is a beta product, we're still testing. We would love your feedback. Take advantage of the features that are capable in here, and and. And let us know if something doesn't work right. So it's creating that connection and that conversation with your customer is is the way to maintain that trust. Now you're not always going to be able to maintain it because that that break in the platform may be too great for someone to you know s- stick around, right? Um, and that's the hurdle that you have to get to quickly. You have to fail fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I think uh, many things to do uh, when you, uh, for example, um, I checked a few studies that uh, companies can, uh, change angry customers' minds, uh, in 30% of situations, for example, if yeah. you decide the issue, uh, to decide, decide their problems, you, you can recover trust in 30%. Yeah. That, that's not bad, even 30%. No, that's
0: right. I mean, just give them support and maybe give them a refund um you know i think that there's ways that you can mend that experience and just tell them what's coming what the improvements are that's coming and maybe um, help them understand maybe how they would better use the tool uh, to get the results that they wanted Um, so that may be some ways that you know the customer support people can manage those relationships better but at some point, there is going to be a percentage of those people that have, have broken uh, broken away, and you just have to be able to let them go um, yeah. and then find new customers with a different approach.
1: Yeah, so. of course. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, Rob, uh, we, you know, we spoke about trust from customer view, but what about employees, about company, your team? And uh, let me share my short story uh, once. Uh, we work hard to for a new uh, for launch a new product. Uh, we spend so much time and um, I, I didn't have time to uh, uh, figure out that toxic environment appealed in my company, uh, mm-hmm. but it happened. Uh, then a few good players of my team left the company. I started mm-hmm. to research to investigate what's going on. And I found that because of this toxic environment, of course, I I made some decisions, we changed approaches, and um, today I can uh, build trust not only with customers, I build trust with uh, my team, you know, I think if your team is happy, then customers can be happy because they uh, have enough courage to uh, i don't know to to help your customers a lot more to create great products so tell about building trust in your team
0: (laughs) yeah i think it's probably probably the most challenging environments to to maintain trust i think you immediately usually start out with quite a bit of trust at the beginning of of any kind of an employee or relationship because of the 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 kind of Early stages of employment um, are very highly rewarding to both parties, right? I think it's over time is where that trust gets broken um, or, or erodes o- over time because of either management behavior, you know, the employee behavior, um, compensation, benefits, all these kinds of things, and also employee interaction um, can also undermine. A staff's trust in others within the organization, um, but it's really you know there's no perfect solution here. It's it's really just maintaining good levels of communication with your team, and and offering um, ways that they can give you give you, <laughs> and this is probably the hardest thing because yeah, I used to work at, at Microsoft, and I know that they had these regular annual kind of you know management feedback kind of processes and and if you're going to do that from a management perspective to get honest feedback from your employees you know it it just may not happen because can they really trust the feedback process and and is it going to be anonymous to individuals right so can an employee really be honest ever really, in any kind of organization, giving feedback to management, you know, because people are going to be fearful that they may say something that maybe offends someone in the organization and they lose their job. So, you know, I think it's, it's something you just have to go into it knowing. So it may not be easy to get feedback from your employees. So, so I, I think talking to other employees that are talking about activities that are going on amongst others in on the team, um, can be given a little bit of kind of weight, but I think there's some danger there too, of listening to others talk about other people on the team, because those people can have an agenda to either remove them from positions so they can get a promotion or something like that. So you have the, it's a very challenging trust maintaining situation. And I think you, you, you just have to, you know, really a lot of these problems are probably best addressed at the point of hire. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you have alignment with goals and you have alignment with um, capabilities and skills of the team member um, and, and a, a cultural alignment too, which is also very important to, to the cohesion of any kind of team and maintaining that trust level. Um, So I would say, you know, I'm sure that there's professionals out there, consultants that can really kind of coach you in actually doing this trust maintaining process with your team on an ongoing basis. And it will require kind of like team building events. It's going to, it's going to require putting people in opportunities that are not work related, that they can build relationships with each other. Um, It's also a way i've seen it done in my own career uh and to be pretty successful and you're never gonna 100 percent eliminate you know kind of fights between employees or resentments or frankly just flat out competition between people and and in some ways you probably want some competition amongst your team so it's walking this fine line
1: yeah yeah some internal competition is good uh, uh, yeah. i think uh, i remember yeah, I read the book I, I forget the, the name of this book but uh the main point was like uh when uh Johnson and Johnson uh, became uh Johnson and Johnson that we know today yeah. a big company uh, almost all competitors uh, were a low level compared to Johnson and Johnson uh, yeah. Colgate and many others so And uh, this company created internal competition between uh, departments uh, to keep growing, to keep improving, because if you achieve, I don't know, like perfect level, let's (laughs) go close to perfect level because it's impossible to get perfect. But uh, that way you can create competition, internal competition. So, yeah, something like this.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and that whole competition thing I've been through with before as well and that can be that that can also undermine uh trust relationships too uh if if it goes too far i've seen it gone go pretty far at microsoft that i used to work with and where teams would actually be trying to take down other teams yeah (laughs) i think it went a little bit beyond just competition it was more like warfare (laughs) so Mm -hmm. so you you kind of want to avoid that uh i think if you can yeah, nice.
1: nice. Uh, you mentioned a few times about communi- communication. I think, yeah, it, it's powerful tool, mm-hmm. but uh, it's tough uh, to use. Uh, I mean, like to help all customers, especially for big companies. And uh, um, I remember when uh, I came to gas station and my Bank denied this payment. I, I I had in my pocket only one credit card, and bank denied. i I, I needed this gas. that that was a tough experience. Um, because I, I needed to pay like forty dollars for this gas. I didn't have any money, just this credit card. And uh, I called to the bank to ask, what's going on? I have a lot more money than forty dollars. Uh, uh, but um, I got reply you need to go to the office uh, to uh, to speak there i did it i schedule appointment i came then after uh, researching they reply to me no you need to call to the special number uh, and i don't remember exactly how long uh, yeah i spent like uh, more than uh, four hours to decide a simple issue then bank Um, unblock my card and yeah, but I see uh, often, not only in my case many times when you want to reach to some companies, you need to uh, write email or uh, to use any other forms, it's tough, it's really tough especially for big companies that have a lot of customers, can you tell how to do it right, I mean like because customers are I don't know, even on LinkedIn I, I remember when I got some issue on LinkedIn and if you need to get reply, you need to wait like uh, a few days just to get reply from customer service, you know to help with uh, any issue. So any tips about that?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think that the last thing these days that you want to do is not be uh, responsive to email or social media uh, comments. I think it's just w- an expectation that people have now um, that that you're going to be on top of that. And I know that there's teams um, that many companies have that are scattered all over the world so they can handle um, the different time zones that exist around support, especially if you're a a global brand or you're a a global company, you really have to have team on staff that's available um, at at least in most of the time zones around the world. Um, You know, I, I get it that people need to sleep, but, but you have to figure out a way to be able to support your customers consistently across time zones. And, and that is a, is a challenge. And it also gets back to skills of your customer service people too. Uh, It's complicated. Um, You know, some people have the patience for being a customer service and supporting customers and other people get easily frazzled and, and lash back. And that's, that is never the strategy that will, result in the results that you want is to have a customer support person that loses their cool or loses their, their focus on the customer. You know, I know that the amazon.com folks for many years built their reputation. Really. I don't believe that Amazon would be what they are today without extreme customer support. Now, granted, I think they've been hurt. I think over the last, I don't know, 10 or 15 years around probably a slacking off of customer support. Uh, just just because of the scaling issue that they have. Um, but they really had strong support actually. my, my ex-wife actually used to Amazon, work for Amazon in their customer support centers back in the back in the mid2000s um, at, at w- one of their first customer service centers and I know that you know she had you know a script that she would work with and and she, she had to respond to these people in a certain way. And give them a refund, really under any circumstances. It, it was like it's the same thing with like a, like other retailers here in the U.S. as well have had very extreme customer service policies that really kept the customer in mind first, right? And whatever they wanted is what you should do for people, uh, because that will domino into trust. That'll domino into keeping them coming back to your store. Or your your online site because they know if they had a problem, they're going to get support. And if they go over to some other retailer and they fail them, guess what? They're coming right back to you, you know? So it's this competition that is also driving this customer support and trust building as well, that drives loyalty. And that's really what you're trying to do with trust is you're trying to drive loyalty.
1: Nice. Nice. Rob, I want to ask about your, your, uh live show uh and because you know i see on your background five microphones and one on the picture six microphones <laughs> because if you count this one six yeah 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 i, yeah, I do have a few yes yeah one uh and stream yard logo in the picture and real uh <laughs> yeah, duck yeah so yeah uh, i want to ask how you build trust in your live show. I mean, like how to provoke this trust feeling to people because we have today a million podcasts, a lot of great shows. Um, I have no time to listen a teeny percent of great valuable shows because I have 24 hours a day and I need to work uh, in um, my business to manage the process. But when I have time, to walk with my dogs, to drive, to I don't know, to ride my bike. I, I can listen to other podcasts. I love this experience. Yeah. But uh, I'm so picky to choose the right show. I'm so picky because <laughs> uh, I have no time to listen all episodes. But anyway, if you give me a solid reason and to my audience a solid reason to listen your show, yeah, uh, I, I can get this trust and we'll do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've always kind of mostly gravitated towards podcasts that I either knew the hosts of uh, or had a personal relationship with. So, you know, or I knew them before they became podcasters or have either talked to me before or what, what whatever. And I, that's kind of, you know, that's that personal relationship part that I'm talking about is that that's, but I'm, I'm not a good example of that because I've been working with podcasters for 20 years. And so I have, friends that have been podcasting, some of them have been podcasting for 20 years, and some of them have been podcasting for a year, and some of them are just about to start for the first time. So it goes the, the, the whole spectrum. But as a person that works in the industry, I have to listen to some number of shows out there so I can keep up to the trends and keep up what's going on out there in what's happening in the medium. Now, granted, you're in a different situation. You're trying to build a professional business, You're doing a show to support that business and build uh, probably wider relationships based on the content that you're doing here. And that is an avenue avenue towards you building trust Uh, because people can see you. They can hear your thoughts. They can hear how you view things. And that's that's an important component of building that relationship and trust.
1: Mm -hmm. Nice, nice. And uh, can you tell for... Someone who started from scratch, uh, how I remember a great advice, great tip from, uh, uh, from one expert who uh, replied uh, to the question, uh, the biggest mistake with podcasting. And he replied to me, uh, the biggest mistake is not to start the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, because uh, most people can give up after uh, seven, eight episodes because they can't yeah. get results in the first episodes. I, I have no idea how to do it. I think you mentioned you have 20 years of experience, uh, but uh, I got first results after uh, recording 100 episodes. Uh, before that, uh, that was just too long how to do it right, how to yeah. find my format, how to yeah. uh, help my audience. And uh, But I have big companies uh, who want to jump on this format have no experience, uh, yeah. but they want to do it to cover new channels. So tell for someone who started completely from scratch how to start your podcast.
0: <laughs> well, I think the big thing is is that the odds are that when you start, and, and you can probably testify to this, that probably nobody's listening. So you can try all sorts of stuff. You can learn. You can mess around with your microphone. You know, unless you get instruction from someone that can help you kind of fast forward through the process, you're going to have to learn through the school of hard knocks and learn from doing, learn from putting yourself in front of a microphone uh, or a webcam or what whatever, and just starting to produce some content. It may be good. It may be bad. You know, it's it's more about the learning process. Yeah. Than, than it is about anything like that and it's also just putting yourself out there because each time you do this you're gonna get a little better at it and that's 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 really the name of the game with anything right uh, whether it's your career, whether it's your your life um, you know it's what you put into it is what you typically are gonna get out of it. Um, now that granted that doesn't always equate. I mean there's no guarantees in any of this. Um, But it does get back to putting yourself in a position where you can um, learn something and achieve something because if you never try and you never do, you will never achieve that. So make sure that your goals that you have align with what you're doing with this show. I mean, if you're trying to build trust in your customer base and your customer community, doing a show like this can be helpful to that. But you have to align how you do that with your the, the process of the, your personal brand that you're building with your company um, and just make sure that everything is in alignment and not working against each other. So so I think that the big thing is, is just to get started, um, start learning, doing things. You don't have to spend a lot of money. Just get some, you know, a low cost um, microphone. It doesn't have to be like this one or, or even the one that you have. Um, it can be a $59, you know, um, you know, dynamic microphone. I think you can get them off of, off of Amazon. The, um, Samsung Q2U is a good one. It's actually behind me back here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If If I can get my finger right. Um, and that's a great place to start. Um, get up close on the microphone, it's going to sound a lot better. And then Mm -hmm. find a room that doesn't have echo. And, and if you want to do video, just get a, get a basic webcam that you can find on Amazon and get on mic and get on the webcam and, and, you know, start using it with your conference calls, start using it with all the other things you may be doing in your business um, over Zoom or whatever it is and and start practicing and start getting better at it and start thinking about, well, what can I share with others that will drive value to them and to me? And, And then as you do interviews, you're building relationships with others that also will start to trust you as well. So it's building this network of connections is what you're trying to do.
1: Nice, yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think uh, yeah. without practice, you can yeah. learn everything. But if you do <laughs> nothing, you get nothing. <laughs> it's like uh, Leo Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. They don't read books how to play soccer. <laughs> they play soccer. <laughs> they hit the ball <laughs> so a thousand times a day. Then to learn how to play soccer, of course you c- you can learn. You, you yeah. can spend time. Right. I learn. That's okay to get ideas, but most time. Like eighty percent of time, it's better to act, to practice, to right. make your hands dirty, to understand how it works. Then you can find your format. And I, I, you remind me, Mister Beast, uh, when you <laughs> say it. You never yeah. know, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's... It,
0: and it's also, you know, it's also one of those things that you just have to get out there and just of put course. yourself out there. If if that's what you want to do, some people don't feel comfortable doing that. So it just depends where you fit in this in this spectrum of of, of uh, interpersonal communications do you want to do it individually or do you want to do it publicly yeah. and then have that translate to something more locally but just getting started with just basic equipment i think a lot of people get a little hung up on the on the equipment side of this and increasingly technology is getting better all the time where it probably won't be too much longer before we'll be able to Do like what we're doing without these big heavy microphones we can just do it on our our mobile phone and it will sound terrific and so you know those days are coming quickly i'm actually working with a couple of companies that are that are trying to trying to develop those technologies to to enable easy recording of of audio in conversations and creating more conversations less interviews right so you're basically both talking about something and i'm i'm increasingly more excited about conversational audio than i am about interviews
1: yeah yeah love it love it uh, rob i want to ask about uh, you know i i often ask this question about your personal experience uh, you have this experience 20 years but uh, what they found um uh from my audience um, that many people start from scratch and they are good with some channels and so bad with other channels. So if you start podcast, they can be bad. And I I have no idea how to be good in the first episode, in the second. It takes time, you know, to learn. But anyway, uh, I want to ask you, if you started today from scratch without any experience, knowledge, skills, forget about 20 years of experience, forget about StreamYard, just your first day, even forget about radio. You didn't uh, record any episodes for radio. Just, it's your first day. What will you do differently today if you start from scratch?
0: I think just just start thinking about what kind of content that you're, you would want to talk about. You know, and I think that you know, I'm in the middle of trying to restart a podcast that I had for many years, going back probably 10, 10 or 15 years. I've, I've put out one new episode this past week into a feed that I hadn't updated in a long time. And so I'm always learning too. I mean, I'm always trying to start something new. I've got, I've got like three or four shows that I'm doing every week now. So it's I'm, I'm pushing the envelope and trying to learn things as well, trying to learn new tools, learn new processes, learn AI technology. Um, and so, you know, the learning is never finished. It's, it's, and then getting started is really just a matter for me of just getting on the microphone. Now I have an advantage cause I have all these six microphones here. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't have that step that I have to go through, but, but, but you may not even need to buy a microphone. Uh, increasingly mobile phones have very good microphones and actually the iPhone, just the, the wire that comes with it, this little piece here has a terrific microphone on it as well. So if you get in a good acoustics room, um, you can actually just use a local app on your phone um, and actually just record the audio right into that. Um, It depends on what kind of show you're trying to produce. If you're trying to produce an interview show, like what we're doing right now, you may want to invest in, you know, StreamYard or Zoom or something like that and try and do things there. Um, You can always take the audio out of that, put that out as just an audio podcast or, or you can take both out and put them out, you know, upload the video to YouTube and put the audio out in an RSS feed and I'm increasingly doing that with more of the shows that I'm involved in. The, the new media show that you see up on the wall up here, uh, that's been a audio and video podcast for probably 14 years. Wow. Uh, so it's, it's really a matter of, of taking advantage of all the distribution technologies and mediums that are out there. Audio podcasting is one. Video podcasting, it's really the same. It's RSS-based distribution. And then there's Spotify video and there's YouTube, which is now embracing podcasting as well on the video and audio side. So the, the YouTube music platform is embracing audio where the, obviously the YouTube video platform is always embraced on the video side. So, so, you know, I think we have a lot of tools that we can take advantage of now Um, whether it be TikTok, whether it be real shorts, longs, you know, x all this kind of, i mean you can upload your video and audio in all these places now which when i started back 20 years ago yeah there really wasn't any options um like this it was just all rss when it became and then streaming was a big thing and i think we're going to come back to more streaming um, activities for delivery of media as we look nice. forward.
1: yeah uh i think today uh the best time to grow it is it to is. get organic reach to grow you don't need even to have money like Mr. Beast when he said that he spent seven years to buy the first camera so right. he, <laughs> he filmed a lot of videos on web camera you know he he didn't have even iPhone you know to film this video yeah so but I
0: wouldn't I mean ideally I wouldn't recommend that now. I mean if you do have the the resources to get a good quality recording, course. whatever it is, it and it depends on your commitment to it um if you know that you're going to keep doing it and it's going to be something that it's going to be important to what you're trying to do um then then consider investing in some good quality audio recording video all that kind of stuff and jump in with both feet just like what you've done here i think is a terrific example of of someone that's just getting in and getting it done Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) yeah yeah if it breaks your pocket if it uh, then yeah you you can record on your iphone smartphone uh because today modern smartphones can beat in one side uh, cameras uh, 5 years ago so even these are the these are amazing
0: TV, um these are amazing video cameras um, Yeah, and increasingly i'm seeing people even using them as webcams
1: <laughs> yeah <laughs> nice rob and i have my final question Uh, very important question about uh, AI. It's tough to ignore this topic today. And I use a lot AI. I speak with ChatGPT more often than with my wife. I ask a lot of questions, you know.
0: <laughs> You're not supposed to admit that publicly, you know. <laughs>
1: uh, I, I love my wife. I love AI. Uh, so uh, she knows that I can ask a lot of questions. She, she can't reply to this question, so okay. I can ask AI. <laughs> so right. anyway, uh, I want to ask about AI because for me, today we have a lot of opportunities with yeah. AI. I, I use a lot And we grew results, um, I think, when ChatGPT appealed and I used before ChatGPT, but today I use a lot more and we uh, get much better results, a lot of great results. But it's not because, um, I I mean, like, I I checked a few studies that 5% of content creators lost their jobs when ChatGPT appealed. It's a lot. But i don't think because of chat gpt or any other ai tool it's because someone can adapt to this tool and can replace other people so yeah. if you don't yeah. use ai someone can adapt and uh, just replace, replace. You. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's important to yeah. use tell how yeah. to do it in podcasting it's not like uh, you know, I used to generate text. I started even to play with pictures. Uh, I hope to jump with something else. But anyway, any tips for podcasting? What to do with AI?
0: Yeah, I would just treat AI right now. Um, now this could change, but it's it's a it's a place that can potentially help you um, streamline your your workflow processes and to pot- potentially get better output. Um, Because it's taking advantage of things that it knows that can be applied to, you know, common practices and things like that with certain types of uh, uh, content that it generates. So there can be, but also keep in mind that human editing, human uniqueness uh, still applies. Um, The AI has not replaced you. it's, It's only replaced part of your workflow. Um, so I think is the key thing to take away from it. Um, the opportunity as it looks in the future with super intelligence, that's kind of a whole different conversation around these, these models becoming kind of what you would consider to be human or sentient or whatever. That's a whole nother level, but we're not there yet. And, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's still AI still makes, uh, mistakes. Um, it has hallucinations. Um, so, So it's always a good idea to to look at the output and make sure that it aligns with what you would do as a human in a content Mm -hmm. creator environment, Um, and modify it or make changes to it to make it better align with the goals that you have with your content and your your communication.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think um, it's if you want to get great results with AI, you need to know the topic because i can't create great content about weight loss about uh, accounting because i'm not an expert on these topics <laughs> and uh, i found another thing you need to write great text so if you have experience with writing then you can uh, write the right prompts you can check edit analyze proofread but if you don't know the topic, if you can't write, any tools can help you. <laughs> it's impossible.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I see this re- regularly too. Is it's 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 the battling of the of the AI tools too. Because I don't know if you've ever outputted uh, some text out of Chat uh, GPT four mm-hmm. and then run it through Grammarly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they're 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 definitely dueling models that like to tear each other apart. So <laughs> yeah, th- that is why it's important to use both. I use
1: Grammarly, I use ChatGPT. So yeah. and uh, my loving tools, two hands, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like to write text. It's my format. So yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, uh, what I found, we get great results with AI. Even uh, we edit content and uh, uh, we use. Um, are in our main strategy and we got mentions on cnn bloomberg many oh, wow. great websites yeah, yeah and we uh, we usually write a bad copy a bad copy i mean like with a lot of grammar mistakes and right. logical structure then i asked gpt please uh, edit my bad copy to uh, fix all these uh, grammar errors and if cnn can accept this press release It means it's quality. CNN can recognize bad content, and many other websites can do it as well. So, um, ChatGPT can help to craft, but ChatGPT can't write from scratch because million others can ask the same. (laughs) So, and CNN only accepts exceptional content, great content. Yeah, Yeah, Rob, it's a big pleasure to get on my show. Yeah, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, so valuable. the best way how to keep learning from you, how to reach out to you, how to follow you. Oh,
0: there's a lot of places. Probably the easiest thing to do is just go to my website, robgreenly.com. And uh, you can certainly send me an email if you want. If you want to communicate with me for for whatever reason, um, that's robgreenly and that's g-r-e-e-n-l-e-e at gmail.com is a great place to catch up with me. I do a couple of live shows. I do the the new media show every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Eastern. And I do podcast tips with Rob Greenley on the Streamyard uh, YouTube and LinkedIn and Facebook channels every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, talking about, as you might guess, uh, podcasting and video-related topics. And so that's that's pretty much what I do with all the shows that I talk about is either spoken word. And I have a podcast called called Spoken Life um, Podcast or Spoken Life Show. Uh, and it talks about audio topics. Um, so, so I do a lot of a lot of media. I also have a EV car show on YouTube, and <laughs> so mm-hmm. nice. it's uh yeah. So I'm into a lot of lot of lot of different stuff. But I'm I'm at heart really a geek and uh, and a technologist really. So
1: awesome, awesome guys! You can find links to website. Uh, YouTube uh, podcast in the description below. So I recommend to anyone to subscribe, to listen, because uh, I do. And uh, you need to do it as well. If you want to get more valuable insights, you can see, you can become a much better marketer. Okay, guys. Love you. See you. Thanks for tuning in to Unmiss. Enjoyed the show? Drop us a review on your favorite platform and help us spread the digital marketing wisdom. See you next episode.